Jedi, arrest these criminals and have them release my son at once. I'm afraid our investigation is not yet complete, Senator. Investigation? They abducted my son. I demand his release. Let me assure you your son is in no immediate danger. I'll be the judge of that. Judge! Step aside, Jedi. We cannot. You serve the Senate. No. We serve the people of this Republic. So be it. Ready! on film. This is Star Wars Men, where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon, and occasionally talk about the recent properties that have been released, and there's a bunch to talk about. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me in Denver is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, actor, and pop culture enthusiast. That's true. This is the sound of my voice. Mothershed, we have a guest again. Yes, sir. The TJ Wilson's with us. Hey, hey, hey. So that's my, I wrote down on my notes halfway through watching this. I knew going in, Duco's stuff was going to be good, and this is superb. That was my take, and I don't think that you all share this take, and so that's <laughs> going to be part of our conversation. I have no idea what TJ thinks, honestly. I was curious about that, too. I could shotgun reasons for thinking that this is amazing, but I have seen a lot of material from the Bad Batch to... Uh, what else has come out that fits to the Kenobi series, et cetera? I've never thought I need to carve out space in the binge to fit this. But some of the, the particularly the last episode of the Dooku arc, I was like, man, this, this has to find its way in. There's so much great stuff here. So why don't I pitch some positive reasons for thinking this is good and you all can shoot them down. Is that, could that be a good way to go about in this? That sounds perfect. The first, let me, let me pitch it uh, to begin. Count Dooku. All of us, when we heard this at the beginning was count Dracula, count Dooku. This is, this is kind of lame. When Christopher when, Lee, when this, right. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, you never saw the monster in Count Dooku, and you do in these episodes. He has a gear that he shifts into where the monster comes out, and I found that really valuable. I'm showing up to these planets. I'm doing my job as a you know a police officer, detective slash Jedi. But there are times where I'm taking that badge off. And it's not that I'm going to unleash like Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. The rules don't matter to me anymore. It's that. Or Mel Gibson in real life. (laughs) It's that I have a gear (laughs) and they dress him like Dracula. And when he there's a point where he hits in that first episode that well, it's episode two. He hits a spot where he shifts and Qui-Gon knows it. And Qui-Gon goes running to try and figure out a new solution because like, oh, man. Like the monster is out of his cage, and that really worked for me. I understand what you're saying, Jeff. I don't see a monster here. I see someone with pure and total devotion to the way that he sees the world. And when he sees other people who are abusing the the rules, who are who are taking advantage, who are who are problematic, who are corrupt, then then his desire to make everything not corrupt comes out of him it takes control it's to me like the like i i get the comparison to dracula but but dracula i think is a monster Mm -hmm. the the to me dooku 
turns into a villain because he hates villainy so powerfully that that he joins the side of villainy eventually without really knowing it. The devotion of Dooku is partially to the Jedi Order. It's much more so to Justice, which is the Mm -hmm. name of the second episode. And I found his motive much more believable, much more believable than a Thanos, for example, who likewise is pro-Justice. Like, Dooku is empathizing. Dooku is seeing the dynamics and Dooku is ready to cut apart some ass clowns. But when right. he decides to shift into that gear, he's not in control anymore. It is very mm, sure. incredible Hulk Bruce Banner-ish on, in some ways, like in terms of the monster coming out. But it's like, if you go into that gear, it's going to come out of you in some very destructive ways. And I thought that that was compelling and that may be because that's how i feel like i am like i would go into Mm, that gear and unleash in ways that i don't necessarily i don't feel like if i went to some of those places i don't think i would necessarily be in control in the way i'd want to be in control and so i suppose i empathize to the character on that front and and am describing him as a monster because that that strikes me as how that would work i get that i feel like i've and we've I think the last time we talked about Dooku on this podcast, I'm fairly certain it was the three of us. I have a hard time with these earlier Dooku stories. I have a hard time caring about them. I have a hard time feeling any compassion towards him because we know what an awful person he either becomes or is. And you're going to have to work really hard to make me forget that to want to engage with him in this. But I don't really see anybody that that's different. I see a guy who is a count and likes being in control and is kind of a coward and is willing to shift into and become whom or whatever he needs to be to retain being in charge. And if it's aligning himself with the Jedi, rock and roll. If it's joining uh, Emperor Palpatine, do I still get to wear a cape? And do I still get to be uh, rich? Okay. That's actually what matters more to me. This actually is what struck me as very realistic. Marx is a wealthy person. Sartre is a wealthy person. Tolstoy is a wealthy person. You can go down the list of very progressive, influential thinkers who aren't sabotaging their wealth to fight for a, you know, economically, quote unquote, just system. And it felt like that to me. It was the privileged, he's a privileged white guy walking into, you know, a neighborhood that he didn't grow up in. I, it feels to me like this is really true to life that, that privileged people who are academics or have power, who have like this sudden, like a strong emotional reaction to poverty and get very, we need to blow up the system. That's it. That strikes me as really true to life. The sympathetic aspect of, of how they're drawing um, drawing Dooku and 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 showing us his sort of conversion, I I, I think it is really it, it is really fascinating to me. Like I was thinking a lot, like while I was watching this, I was thinking a lot about people that I know. I we might have referenced this in the last one, but like people I know who have been drawn into authoritarian systems or or belief belief systems or or whatever else. Like the the way that the way that people get sucked into the the type the the lies and the evil that is committed by Palpatine or Hitler or Stalin, or um, I'm really excited to see if they if they do anything with with um, Palpatine as a parallel to Putin right now. Like that'll be really interesting. But the the fact that he is seduced to the dark side not by fear like Anakin, not by not by a, a desire. I don't see a desire for power right. in him. Um, I see someone who recognizes how unjust and corrupt the Senate yeah. is. And he becomes essentially the leader of the separatists. Yeah, he's an idealist who is enslaved to Palpatine. Right. But he, I don't think, I, I, I think he, and, and this is, this is, one of my big complaints about this show is that that they don't do enough to show the progress. 
Like I was even confused with the timeline of yeah, this, and sure. I've seen all of the previous sure. materials still. And like like they jump from one thing to the next, and all of a sudden he's deleting archives, and all of a sudden he's meeting with Palpatine, and clearly this is a thing that has been going on for a while. But like what? Where where did? How did we get from that village where he almost killed a senator to this place? And like like they they're just showing us little bits yeah, of it. I agree. And like I yeah I'm I. I'm not happy about how quickly they moved in this timeline. But I think that the fact of what they're doing, of saying that, like, here he is a devoted Jedi, really close friends with Mace Windu, and, like, he he is Qui-Gon's mentor, like, and, and, like, he's the one who trained Qui-Gon, and and his, his move from devoted Jedi to Sith Lord or Sith Apprentice or where, wherever he is, is a, is a gradual one. And it is dependent on his devotion to his understanding of justice and order. And, and it, because it, it's, it's, it's about getting rid of the corrupt Senate. Yeah. It's about the, the fact that the Jedis are lapdogs to the Senate. It's about the fact that, that people all over the world are being ignored, persecuted, impoverished, destroyed by the people who are supposed to be protecting them. And there's a tipping point with the death of his son. I mean, with the death Mm -hmm. of his bad one. Right. And that matters. Right. And I should say, I think two things uh, worth noting uh, with what you're saying. I I had mentioned that progressives are this way. It's really populists because everything you're saying is like the conservative populism that we see today is identical. There's a lot of academics on the very far right who who fit that category as well. So J.D. Vance mm-hmm. is a great example of this. Is some, somebody who's really right. thoughtful, but has really embraced the far right um, way of of saying this: the the whole system needs to get burned down, and in these ways for these reasons because of these people and the injustice pointing their yeah. way. These people are corrupt, therefore democracy yeah. is corrupt, and we should have an emperor. Right. That's uh, that uh, that is the line. And right. like, it's hard right. to escape that. Like, it's dumb to say, yo, this is kind of like Star Wars. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's very real. Like, like we make, we make jokes and we are very flippant. Like this, this has been part of, part of the media, especially following Trump for the last six years of like, like how do people align themselves with him? And, and like, like they, he, he he clearly wants to set himself up as the person in charge and 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 undo democracy in the process. And it's like how how are people on board with this? And it's like well well our entire human history shows yeah. us that we no matter what we want a king and somebody wants to be that king. All you need to do is create a ton of chaos and then everybody will say we really need one person and just bring order to this situation. Yep. And that's and then yep. you and lose it, yeah. modernity. Yeah. You have to have something to replace the system with if you're going to tear it down, though, and that's the problem. What is your oh. actual solution? An emperor. An emperor. Is oh, right. You saw, I'm solution. sorry. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, and, well, this was actually going to be my second point, so uh, let's pause for two seconds. The other thing Daniel and I have spoken of extensively is before all these episodes, they need some way to show you this is where you're at on the timeline, and this is where you yeah. are in the galaxy. And if you can give me a time and place, that would be real helpful. It's like, oh, okay, so this is before episode yeah. two, but it's not, but it's after episode one. And so they they try to do that through the 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 dialogue, but sometimes I agree. It sometimes it can be confusing. I feel we we uh, Daniel and I in uh, an episode a while back said the thing that Disney needs to do is speak about contemporary issues Mm, mm -hmm. and i thought they were doing that very well in terms of the populism Mm -hmm. like the uprising of populism on the right and the left when it's the case that people feel like those in power who have levers both economic levers and governmental levers are using theirs those levers to only benefit themselves then of course you're going to have people saying it's time to pull out the guillotine of course you're going to say we need to give all right. the power to Napoleon. That's this story has been told. And mm-hmm. you we let's dress it up again, put it in a galaxy far far away. But I thought they were doing that very very well. And and it it's not like it's not just a modern story. It's a, it's a it's a contemporary story that has also been with us for all it's of a, human history. Yeah, it's a it's a very human story. Yep. Yep. 
Caesar, the czars, uh, Napoleon, it just I, all of Britain. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, it just keeps happening. The Caesar thing, I think, is also a great example of like, great, you want to you want to get rid of something bad and replace it, but you don't actually have a system with which to replace it, and that leads to even more chaos. And I think that's a very mm-hmm. closed-minded, weak way to want to handle massive human issues like this. Right. It's like, well, let's just right. let's just get rid of the thing and do the thing. Capitalism is evil. Right, we agree. But that's what the, that's what we've got. Right, what are we going to replace it with? We can't just right. uproot it and destroy it. That is a very uh, impulsive, kind of weak attitude to approach these things with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Impetuous, I guess. I, I think that's it. It's you're being governed by emotion. And and when it's the case that you have a diverse society like we do, it, you got to pause and become very thoughtful, data-driven, and it needs to be a round table at some levels because we're obviously yeah. we're not going to agree on 100% of the things. And right. so compromise is absolutely essential. Our whole form of government in America is based on compromise. And if you can't get compromised, then the government falls. And this Mm -hmm. is one of the demonic, despotic things that's taken place is one party is saying, we have stepped away from the table and we will not converse with you. And therefore the government will fall. And that's exactly what we want because the best form of government is one that's small enough to drown in a bathtub, according to one conservative scholar. Who the hell said that? I want to say, I'll look it up. That's horrible. (laughs) Was that actual? Was a scholar or just some idiot? Like is that? And that that sounds that that is a a libertarian viewpoint. It was Grover Norquist, who was a. Uh, you know, I was gonna say that's who it was, but I didn't want to show off. <laughs> I mean, the thing about that quote is it gets to the heart of the ideology real fast. Like mm-hmm. you can dress, yep. you can dress up tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts, all you want. But the heart is you want to drown the system in a bathtub and feel it squirm and internalize that with joy. That's the liber- the the libertarian impulse of nobody's going to step on me, and you're ne- you're never going to take you know my tax dollars for others. Kind of spirit there that 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 feels to me like an extreme position. And anyway, I think you would be correct in that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that was my point with Duke. Like when I say like Duke was kind of weak and he bothers me, it's for those reasons. I just don't Mm. care for maybe it's just because there's so much of it in real life and we're inundated with whether it's people on social media or people on the news or people we work with or whatever with just these kind of impetuous impulsive attitudes like this i just don't care for it and i don't think it's i think it's kind of weak and uninteresting right i want to i want to come back to jeff you said something about like being ruled by emotion or something like that and i i feel like that there's a very clear like the the way that that we they're drawing these characters the way that they're showing us what's happening in, in these characters like they obviously can't show us their internal life they can only show us what they do and like you have a character like Anakin who is clearly ruled by his emotion, his fear and and his love for the people in his life. It, like th- this is how he makes decisions. He's a very emotions first actor, not like actor in the theater, but like like yeah. the way that he acts is is very emotions first. Obi Wan, I think over the course of Obi Wan Kenobi's whole story it's it's very well shown that like this is someone who is emotions first who is and has worked very hard to contain that uh-huh. and and you have ahsoka who is not emotions right. first like she 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 leads with thoughtfulness and wisdom and and but but then you have dooku and and Dooku, that emotion is front and center. The way that he makes decisions is very much emotion forward. And and like, there's lots to say about like, can you change that? But I I think the the contrast here between Ahsoka, who sees corruption and and problematic behavior and like all of these things and chooses to step away, versus Dooku, who can do nothing else but dive further into the fight yeah and is subversively trying to tear down the system ahsoka says right you know hands off i'm gonna wipe my hands of all this dooku right sponsors and choreographs an army right 
Right. He makes a comment about how Qui-Gon is a master now, and it's specifically about about how Qui-Gon Jinn is is now an adult and doesn't need him. Mm. And the 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 emotion that's being evoked, like the the thing that I read coming out of Dooku's mouth is I I don't belong here anymore. My responsibility to the to the Jedi Order is now finished because this this mm. thing this job that I had to do is finished, and now I cannot be devoted to this anymore. It's like empty nester syndrome. If your parents went on to be mass murdering psychopaths after you moved out of the house, <laughs> right, right, or or even someone who like stops believing in God but still takes their kid to church, yeah, that's good. until their kid is old enough to make that decision for themselves, and then they stop. They just one hundred percent stop going to church and and decide to worship the devil instead. But <laughs> but I. Also, get tricked by the devil. Let's let's not let's not remove Palpatine's trickery yeah. out of this you, equation. You gotta replace devotion with something else, especially for an idealist. Right, right. and that yep. comes yeah, he, with. I think you're exactly right in terms of he's separating in that line from the Jedi Order in terms of I've done my duty by Qui Gon, but when Qui Gon mm-hmm. dies, then it's game on. It's right. He right. he says. Uh, the, I thought it was the best dialogue of the trilogy. I'm gonna just read this down because it's worth talking yeah. about. But lots of leaves falling imagery through all three Dooku stories, mm-hmm. and and in terms of showing like this thing that was alive is dying. I thought that was really tastefully done. And as he's standing before that tree, I used to bring Qui Gon here as a boy. He was fascinated with this tree, having been born here on Coruscant, a planet of steel and stone. He knew nothing like it. The council is leaving for Naboo. The funeral is to be held there. I doubt I would be pleasant company. You hold them accountable. Qui-Gon Jinn has become one with the Force. It is time to let him go. And you can do this. What choice have I? There's so much going on in that, not only from Dooku's movement, but as we'll f- see later, Yaddle's movement. Mm-hmm. You need to hold them accountable. She's on board, and he is separating. It's time to let him go. Isn't about Qui Gon. It's time to let this whole yep. project go. Yep. I thought that that was really well told, and and the. For me, like the like this is this is so much of an emotional decision. It it's yeah. and it, it's like it's like Qui Gon is is the representation for for like like I I don't have any connection to this anymore. And and Qui Gon was was the link that was keeping yep. me here. And even worse, apparently, Dooku had said the Sith are a problem. You need to take them seriously. Yeah. And then your kid got impaled and left for dead on a different planet. Right. Man, if somebody, you know, stuck a spear through one of my kids and I had told them a couple times, this is a problem, and now I got to go bury my kid, I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) (laughs) And setting up his motive ends up being great. Yep. In setting up Dooku... They're not only they're setting up the leader of the separatists, and they do a phenomenal job, I think, of showing two pockets of people who have been abused and saying this is the seedbed for the rest of what would become the separatist movement. And there's going to be a lot of great people who are separatists, and there's going to be a lot of people who are trash. Mm-hmm. I think that's real. And life. I think that I think it's also I I love that they show Dooku making a choice at the last minute to officially be evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like like it's all sort of like like slowly woven in like like if we imagine this story actually did take years instead of about 14 minutes that <laughs> like like from him discovering that that the senate is corrupt to him killing one of his yeah. friends like that decision is is the idealistic giving up and and completely relinquishing all of the old ways. Let's let's hold that for a moment because I think that okay. that scene is really worth unpacking. Um, in, yeah, in, that's what and that's what actually one of the moments I really liked in in this as yeah. well. Let me pitch yeah. just prior to all that the erasing of Camino, the acknowledgement that he is complicit in Sifadius's death. These I think are just great background. It's stuff we haven't seen. It's stuff that we need to know. It's stuff that's referenced elsewhere. It's it's world building in a way. But I thought it was beautifully done. I really uh, uh, have an affection for the Jedi Library. I don't know what else you call that space. I'm sure it has an official term. Hall of Records. I think that is the term. And, you know, just a reminder, we know this actually. TJ, you were on the episode where we talked about the when the Clone Wars talks about Sifo-Dyas's death, and Sifo-Dyas is killed by the Pikes, Dooku pays the Pikes right. to assassinate his friend. And they shoot down his ship, and they kill him, and they keep you know one of the Chancellor's servants who survives the crash enslaved. It's just terrible <laughs> image. Yeah, that's a, but <laughs> that's a tough episode. Dooku, the thing that's important there is Dooku is responsible for this very dark set of affairs. And he has taken that step intentionally for Palpatine. And but also because he doesn't trust the Jedi. Anymore. Right. But yeah. So it's it's a twofold thing. Again, American contemporary politics demonize the other side. These people are not trustworthy. I can never align with them. And so I go to this other guy and I start doing really morally questionable things at first. Mm-hmm. I overlook that. I overlook this. I defend him here. I end up voting here. I end up even pushing and saying, well, the death of these cops don't matter because it was in service to our cause. And you just see, like, you have sold yourself. And now and and now you're under control. Yeah. And now you're under control. Play the rage against the machine. Yep. Now you're under control. Building to the Yaddle battle. I'm I'm all in and believing that Dooku has reached that spot. Yeah. Agreed. Yes, I Yaddle battle. I'm so sorry. Was, <laughs> I did the like, same. No, no, don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> yaddle out. Miss that. It's a good hashtag, I think. Um, B-A-D-D-L-E, I assume, right? Yeah. Naturally. Man, there's a point after the tree uh, conversation with, with Yaddle where he gets in his ship and the music turns and it's the identical music to Anakin's uh, conversion to the dark side. If you want to look this up, it's on the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. It's called Padme's Ruminations. But it's it's where it gets very synthesizer-ish and dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and you're just looking at a sunset and you know in the symbology of light. Man, light and dark in the in that fifth episode is really well done. It's a routine. They're using light and dark all over the place, but the sunset and he flies off into the sunset and Yaddle follows him. And it just that also just struck me as gorgeous. And her heart is there. His heart is there. The music is, I just thought that was glorious. I can keep going on things that I like if you don't have objections. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Go ahead. He shows up, has the conversation with Palpatine. I don't know. So there's some times where there's a a picturing of a character and you're like, that's him. They haven't executed the character at this level yet. Spider-Man is like this for me. Like, I really love me some to- Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. But there are some moments recently where Spider-Man shows up and I'm like, in uh, recent Marvel properties, and I'm like, there mm-hmm. he is. That's actually, they're yeah. nailing the essence of the character in a way that I hadn't mm-hmm. seen before. I knew it was there. It's just so hard to picture sometimes. I, there are a few times that Palpatine has been pictured in a way that I think is more 
visually captivating and believable and really gets to the essence of the character. And it's not just black hat mustache twirling. Like he is here and he's got motives and that sucker is powerful presence and very Mm -hmm. understated performance. And I'm just, I'm like, yep, that, that is, that is exactly who this character is. Also, you you see how smart he is too. Like there's the power there, but how, how, how smart he is, how observant he is and how he's taking in everything in the room. Cause he's using just Dooku when he's talking to just Dooku and then Yaddle shows up and he's using her against him and, and, stacking all that stuff on top of each other that way. So he, he is, he is a, he is a puppet master Supreme. Like he's just so smart and so good at that. And, and, and yeah, that's, that was one of, that was a great thing in this episode. Oh, Ian McDermott. Oh, it made me so happy. I was, I I was shocked that it was him because it's, it's usually somebody else. So to hear his voice, I was thrilled. And it came across so clean and filled with life and just part of the universe and everything worked there. The 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 brilliant undercutting puppet master side of this character came forth most for me when he said, You lost an apprentice and so did I. And here's the thing, Maul is still alive. Yeah. He is lying to Dooku and it is a hundred percent manipulation. It's it's try it's feigning that he feels the same sort of emotions, that he has lost something that we need to rebuild together, and none of that is true. It's, I'll march down there with you all as well. Let's go. I'm just like you. Also, you lost an apprentice that you really cared about. And I lost an apprentice that, A, I did not care about. And, B, I am immediately replacing with you. (laughs) All of these things. And this is the side of Palpatine I don't think gets expressed well sometimes. But here it's done perfectly in terms of Mm -hmm. this is what, the enslavement of a you know a Seth apprentice looks like yeah and it's and it's done at, at a very high level yeah it's it's so much more believable to me than what we see in Revenge of the Sith with with Anakin this is a better version of the Anakin conversion scene yes we we I I wish I I wish that there was more like there's there Sheev Palpatine Chancellor Palpatine pulls Anakin into him like like from from the first movie he's 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 slowly pulling Anakin into him and until that scene and I think this is a much better execution of that scene Mm -hmm. than than the one is in Revenge of the Sith but I I wish we had more of that that background of of him pulling Dooku into him because I, I I think that is that is part of what's really important about what is intoxicating about someone like she Palpatine or or Putin or um, uh, some of these other like really intense dictatorial evil and and uh, but also very 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 smart characters is that that they're not saying hey you need to join me or die yeah. they're pulling people into a system to where your only choice is to one hundred percent join me. Or yeah. die. It's they're they're pulling people. They're they're convincing them to do enough bad things over time to where when it is the choice between killing your friend or me killing you right now, the the choice has basically already been made. It's one of the things that Breaking Bad taught all of Hollywood is you mm, you have sure. to make the moral dilemma for the antihero really believable that they're going to make the bad right. choice. And Walter White right. does that better than anybody, you know, and right. they're like, they're just learning that. And, and it, like, yeah. like you see it in Godfather two kind of stuff, but here it's, I think I feel like breaking bad has a, a lot to offer here. And I like that, that, that there's also in the, in the drawing him in also the sort of putting down and kind of keeping them constantly afraid. Cause when he talks about getting another, apprentice and and it's like well you were gonna do that too so there's just there's also that constant like but always sleep with one eye open and always be looking Mm -hmm. over your shoulder you're part of this thing and i love you come over here but man god help you if you piss me off but it's okay right right which which you know all the perpetrators of abusive relationships that's what they do (laughs) like and 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 he does it well yep i wasn't prepared to to like the yaddle character 
I just, that wasn't on my radar, wasn't on my agenda. I was heartbroken by the end of the episode in the beauty. And there's so many things, there's so many touches of humanity inserted into the fight that are invitations for Dooku to not make the bad choice. And it's not mm-hmm. just one. Like, they do it a couple of times. And every time Dooku hits that gear of the monster, they kind of show it with the light of his lightsaber reflecting off of his face. And again, the light here is real well done. But the animators of Clone Wars in general know how to use the light from lightsabers to express emotions. And they are really good Mm -hmm. at it now. And I routinely was feeling just, you know, a buzz from those those moments. And when, when she walks in, she exposes herself says, come to me, you know, she hasn't fought a Sith Lord before. And here is Dooku, who she has, I think, has essentially said, I'm your advocate and ally earlier in the episode. And will, again, later say, I've, I have resigned from the Jedi Council to join you. And it's mm-hmm. and it and it's still not enough. And this mm-hmm. is where the the Palpatine the one line McDermott nails is him saying, So I have been betrayed. No. He doesn't think that he's betrayed him. He knows that he didn't bring Yaddle there. But he has set this up to be, well, now you're in a pickle, aren't you, buddy? You know. <laughs> right. Right. Oof. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to me, Yaddle represents a, um, if, if, Palpatine is the evil angel on Dooku's shoulder and Yaddle is the good angel. The, the, the good angel here is, is not, is not Obi-Wan. It's not even Yoda. It's not, it's not someone who's saying the Jedi are good and we need to be better. It's someone who's saying there, I, everything that you're saying is, is right. And, and doing evil is not the answer. There is a way to break down. Like I'm on board with breaking down this system, but what you're doing is bad. Come, come back a little bit. Um, don't, don't go back to the council, but come back from the Sith Lord. I almost wanted her to say, "You've confessed your sins. Mm-hmm. I am here to forgive you and, and grant you absolution. You can't." I mean, she, she all but says that, right? And, and, and those like, are that's a beautiful moment. You mm-hmm. know, if he had thrown himself down on the mercy of the court, as it were, the, you know, he if he prostrated himself before God and said, you know, these are the wretched things I've done. She's there as his advocate, ally, and the ideas that he's standing for still have weight and merit. Right. And also, I I think that she is very what what I. Part of what I read into her presence there is that that he doesn't get to get out of this without fighting her about it, and like that that I to me that comes up a couple of times is that like I am here to bring you back, and you can either come back with me or you're going to have to kill me. Like Palpatine represents join me or die. Yaddle represents join me or kill me. Join me or choose evil. That's that's right. that's the only choice that you have here. Yeah, the the light side, dark side choice is is really stark and both sides are compelling. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can see why he is where he is. All of that, mm-hmm. just to name it, I feel like all of that is really hard to do to as as yeah. a show creator. And yeah. when I'm in that moment, I'm like, damn, they like I'm I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm here mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the uh when she comes back through the door, like the door falls and then she lifts it up and comes back through. Like like I Let's I, pause for a second on that. Cuz it's so it's so worth talking about. There's one scene before it which I think is worth noting is that they they have a a a, a you know, he pops out the saber and essentially says, you know, I can't go down that road with you. Mm-hmm. They fight for a minute. And then she hides, essentially. She finds herself in a space where she's able to communicate with him while not fighting him. This is when, this is where rhymes work. This is how mm-hmm. rhymes work. It's, a, it's an, an identical rhyme to Return of the Jedi mm. where Vader is speaking over Luke and saying things about his sister, 
saying trying to compel him to the dark side, trying to get him angry. All these things are, and it's the opposite side of that rhyme where she is speaking from the distance and trying to to get him into the light. And she says, I am on your side, I stepped down from my position on the council. You were right about so many things. The council should have listened. Quiet did not have to die. And she is, I, I feel like she is 100% in. I'm a legitimate mm-hmm. ally who sees the world the way you see the world. And then he crushes her with a five-ton door. Yeah. I mean, that's how that works, yeah? That initially pissed me off that that's how he killed her. Because I was like, oh, that's such a Dooku thing. Don't get your hands dirty. Use the force. Throw the switch on the door. You big, big coward. Like, you Big coward. And then when that door opens, you want to talk about Superman, that door opens back up and she's standing there. I was like, oh yep. my God. And then for oh, for her to, just, it, it, it really, it did hit me hard, like for her to fall out of there like she did. And then in just such a defenseless moment for him to, to go and do that. It, it's like, oh. Well, and, and uh, with, the, with that line about like Qui-Gon didn't have to die, the piece that the audience knows, the piece that Dooku knows, is that the Jedi Council ignored the seriousness of the Sith threat. And the guy who ordered Qui-Gon's death is in the room. <laughs> and, like, like both problems are present. And Dooku has already chosen a side. And, and she's trying to say that, like, I don't think that she knows that that like like the first thing that one of the first things that Dooku says to Palpatine in this is like the acknowledgement that I know who you sent to kill my guy. You were not supposed to do that. Like that that was not part of the thing. Your apprentice killed mine. And and I thought I thought we were on the same team. And and Yaddle I I doesn't know I, I don't think she knows that connection, but we do. Dooku does. And to watch him continually choose the side that he's already on is sort of heartbreaking and also like speaks clearly to his devotion and I'm like he he can't go back. That's that's how he sees it. He can't go back. And she keeps trying to give him more opportunities. Like he here's an off ramp. Take it. And he's like, I can't. The door has come down. He is shown looking emotionally grieved. He immediately falls to the floor, right? Yeah. It's it's one of those, I have new ideals, and I'm willing to do what it takes, and it's still heartbreaking. Had killed another mm-hmm. friend. He's already killed Sifo-Dyas. Yep. Kills another. Oh, but he had Sifo-Dyas killed. Yeah, and I think you're right on that front. Like, it's, yeah. it is death at a distance. I'm going to push this button. Right. He doesn't actually kill anybody. Yeah. He get he manipulates right. other or pays or coerces other people into doing it. This is maybe the only time we actually see him do the thing with his hands. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I suppose it gets bloodier as we go, because obviously there's two executions of Yaddle in some ways. It's different from yeah. Smeagol strangling his friend and then taking the ring and you're all in mm-hmm. now, pal. Right. When he falls to his knees, Sidious comes. This is a demonic image. It's it's a it's a it's a Sidious says, "You have done well, my apprentice. Rise, my friend." It's a it's a very anti resurrection anti-christian kind of way of encapsulating evil is how i took that like it's not that christianity has altered Mm. this property but it is a you've been born into our way of being and of course anytime that sidious calls you his friend that means you're my slave (laughs) that's problematic it's all over now to quote rage against the machine again now you're under control (laughs) (laughs) what's great is it's all been set up it's like, oh, okay, we've seen this this scene before. It's now the darkness reigns, and 
and you're and we're going to cut to credits here in a minute and then that damn door gets raised mm -hmm. they i've said this to daniel in the past they don't use the force theme in clone wars mm -hmm. and rebels very often i think it happens maybe three times and when yaddle raises the door they 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 bust into the force theme which is really only used um, in Star Wars at the kind of the highest moments. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's Luke destroying the Death Star. It's, it is uh, Ahsoka, you know, descending to Mandalore. It's, it's, some, it's, the, it's the highest scenes because, man, that, that sucker has some power. And here it is. And the light shines in. And this is one of the, it may be overkill, but I was there for it, or, you know, overplayed. The light is shining in on Dooku. You can see on his face, mm -hmm. this is actually where he should be. Palpatine is, you know, is a vampire <laughs> reacting. Sleeping in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah, he literally shields himself from it. All of that is highly symbolic and and you know what? Worked for me. I was I'm just fine. Yep. With it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It was a great image. She, and like I, I I really wanted her to like jump back and let it fall mm -hmm. oh me you know? too i know like like that's it yaddle's gone she's gonna she's gonna go the way of yoda nope <laughs> nope falls forward there's something about the and they've they established this with the last jedi that sometimes you use the force at such a level that it just totally take takes everything out of you mm -hmm. and uh the grim get your hands dirty i there's something about cutting a person's head off i that that's getting blood on your hands for me. Mm -hmm. I, I think if I had if I had to decapitate a human being, that would be very difficult for different than throwing the the switch that crushes them. Right. Yeah. yeah the, like like revisiting our what we just said. Like he he pushes a button and Sifo Diaz dies. He pushes a button and Yaddle dies, but she yes. doesn't. She comes. She lifts up the door so that she he she can come back in so that he must actually murder yeah. her degrees there's some yeah it, it, even with Sifidius, it's he gives a call to his drug runner buddies and says hey can right. you shoot down the ship right and then with yaddle let's throw the switch but then yeah on the flip side i mean on the game of thrones side there is a ned stark image that the one who pronounces judgment needs to be the one that swings the sword the that that comes from mm, a good yeah. place of exacting justice. This is like kind of the opposite of that of again, mm -hmm. it's a Smeagol image of you're gonna get your hands dirty with some really raw um soul killing activities. Yeah. And I think in in the way of the Jedi, like like the like to me this is it's very reminiscent of Vader killing Obi Wan Kenobi because because Vader doesn't kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi lets Vader kill him. Yeah. Yaddle isn't murdered by by uh Dooku here. Yaddle lets Dooku oh, kill him. I didn't think about that. Do mm -hmm. you think that's what's going on in her heart? Yeah. I I think I think part of it is that she knows that there's there's no more fight to be had here and either he chooses not to and there's hope or he chooses to and and now she'll be with him forever but also she can't do anything else about it this is her last ditch effort to to let him make a choice uh, i agree and i th and i think that's why you 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 jeff or you us the the audience i think that's why you like i think that's why i liked her character so much is just she's she's so brave like she's so mm -hmm. she's so brave and she doesn't need to be. She probably shouldn't be because she's so little. But it's just that that commitment to what is right in the same way that kind of Ahsoka is. Not the commitments to the sides or to the people or to the whatever, but the commitment to what is right and I guess what is true, that she's willing to step into that room like one of you said she's never fought a, a a Sith master before or an apprentice, but she's walking into the room because it's the right thing to do. Like it, it is the, mm -hmm. I have agreed to do something that we haven't been doing, and now I'm actually going to do it. And I and I think she's just a worthy of admir, a character worthy of admiration. Mm -hmm. So and 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 kind of like I said earlier, you you get that buy in immediately because she looks enough like 
a couple of characters that we've already kind of loved. So you get that immediate buy-in of she looks like Yoda. She looks like Grogu. Yeah. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard created a just beautiful character voice for her that is compassionate and kind and wise. So you're automatically predisposed to like her. And then she's trying to that, that scene where she's saying, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's okay. It's okay. Essentially. I forgive you. I think is huge in the same way that, you know, Robin Williams telling Matt Damon, it's not your fault in, in goodwill hunting is so impactful because that's what people want to hear. And it doesn't work, unfortunately with Dooku, but she's, she's such a righteous character that, that I think that's why it's so effective. And that's why it's so heartbreaking to watch her die. Also justice oriented Mm. on that front that she, she's not, pulling punches she says her last words are so many have suffered for what you call order that's what he wants is peace and order and there there it is i i I do think that strong props and praise should be cast to all the voice actors you know in this episode all of them are just bringing their a game um i i'm i feel manic with Bryce Dallas Howard, some of her stuff I'm really not into, Agreed. and some of her stuff I'm just like, this is just incredible, and Agreed. and I think she hits yep. really she this I feel like is a real difficult task, and she nails it, and totally, very much one of the one of the real pieces that Star Wars creators have on the chessboard is using species to communicate. Game of Thrones can do this also through people through the houses. Baratheons are a certain way, you know, Lannisters are a certain way. But when when they use the Yoda species with Grogu or here with Yaddle, it's just we have buy-in and they play those mm-hmm. pieces in limited ways and I feel like have done or have been fantastic stewards such that you can create those emotional reactions like we have here. In in twelve minutes, you know what I mean. Yeah, in, in, in twelve, 12 minutes exactly. of story, you're you meet, f- essentially fall in love with, and are devastated by the death of a character you have known for twelve yeah. minutes. Yeah. Also, what is wrong with Yoda? Like, just I assumed she was gonna maybe talk like him, and that would kind of uh, give some justification. But she speaks relatively normally. What is wrong with Yoda? He grew up on the uh, the, the west side. I guess maybe that's what it is. She's an East Side girl. <laughs> <laughs> the the term is Uptown girl. <laughs> Living in her Uptown world. <laughs> Just like going back a couple steps. If I'm a director and Bryce Dallas Howard is in front of me and we have the script and we say, do we want to flip the verbs and nouns or do you want to bring the heart and emotion clean? I was I was really grateful that they went with clean. Hmm. So, yeah, so am I, honestly. But but I also think that deci- if that was a conversation you're going to have, I would hope that conversation was had prior to stepping into the booth with an actor. Yeah, right. <laughs> it should true. not be her choice. <laughs> that I, or anybody's choice, not just because it's her. But no, of all things, that is a bi- that's of all things, it's a big issue. It's like oh, there's going to be a hundred thousand tweets about this if we make this decision. Yeah. <laughs> You know? but yeah and the thing is but there's gonna be anyway right. sometimes you just have to tell the story and be damned for it yep. why is there a girl right i'm mad why is there a girl yoda it was fine when it was a baby but ugh. that's what i got for dooku i so i'm <laughs> thrilled to say dear listener that i heard no con you know uh negative from these two gentlemen who stepped into the booth looking very skeptical about this episode i heard nothing that's but just positivity. you didn't you didn't hear my whole bit about how this <laughs> this this set of stories doesn't exist without previous media oh he has oh no you just don't care he has you edit like control that's not going right. to make it to the final <laughs> cutting <laughs> <laughs> okay so that is my one big like I I really enjoyed this. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was uh, like gave depth of to to characters that I already cared about. My my one really big complaint, and and I I think this has potential to be a very serious problem going forward if they don't figure out how to do this. Is that these stories can't exist without previous knowledge? 
without previous material. There's a, it feels like there's a balance to be had here in terms of, so when I watch like a Harry Potter film, I know I don't know the backstory. I haven't invested in it. Sure. But I'm actually, I watch them and I'm like, I'm kind of glad that they're, they're going this far. Mm-hmm. There are some times where Marvel goes way too far right? in terms of like your knowledge of backstory for me. It's like, okay, this is, this is overkill y'all. And mm-hmm. it seems yeah. like there, there, there should be some sort of sweet spot where I don't have to watch, you know, 30 hours of Disney plus properties to understand what's going on in the next Dr. Strange movie. Right. But I right. don't know that this six episodes is what you're talking about. I think this six episodes is you need to have watched maybe not 30 hours, but maybe 20 hours of stuff to, to get the real, the big beats, particularly with the Dooku story. Like if you haven't watched Clone Wars, this is going to be pretty hard for you. Like you need, you can watch the Harry Potter films without watching the books because a screenwriter has sat down with that book and is still telling a story from A to B. Mm-hmm. Is it the case? I mean, maybe this is just my palate that I want. So with the big like tent poles, like an Avengers movie, you got to find some gateways in for everybody because you want to make two billion dollars. But on these, I feel like this is for Clone Wars fans, Rebels fans, sure, um, prequel fans, and and they might be humble in their approach that this isn't for mm-hmm. for everybody but they're going to go to some depthy places so that those fans have something that is an extent, you know, have, have more content for the things that they love. And, and again, like I, I, it all works for people who have seen all of that material, but it is, to me, it's a, it's a signpost that is either exactly where it should be, or somebody's ignoring a huge red flag, you know, like, like, if, if they don't know and didn't make that decision on purpose, that's going to be a real big problem moving forward. Sure. If they were fully aware that, that this is not a story for newcomers and just leaned into it, okay. Sure. Okay. Maybe maybe moving forward, everything will be fine, and we'll have some of this stuff, and that's fine. But like, it is also entirely possible that they'll make some of those same like sort of marvelish mistakes that like if you don't have third 20 years of back history right. that you won't understand the new stuff they're putting yeah. out <laughs> yeah maybe don't jump into ant-man quantumania just yet right right <laughs> let me let me just say i i fully agree and yep. I, I think it's the case that I'm I'm here for it because maybe because this is my tribe you know you're optimistic. I'm less. Well, so. no, it's it's that <laughs> I want I want some depth. Even most of the work, and you'll know this. Most of the work I end up doing is I want the second, third, fourth mm-hmm. step. Right. There are 28 books already on this topic that are introductory and tell you the nine mm-hmm. things that you need to know. But I want what's next. Right. You know, and yeah. I suppose that's just my that's how I want to be in the world. My opinion on it, just as not at the same level, obviously, but also as a storyteller person who makes things for people to consume, I feel like there does need to be a spot in the middle where you can develop a fan base, but also if you are in the consumable commercial arts, you want as many eyeballs on your thing as possible that have to do the least amount of work because you want people to watch your stuff. And and I think, sure. it, I think you... You see and hear people talk about the fatigue with Marvel. I don't want to watch 15 other movies, and that's where a lot of people I know are. I'm fine. I love it. I'll watch everything because, like you said, that's my tribe. But I think you you start to do a disservice to a larger audience if you are in the the consumable or commercial arts. You, You start to limit your audience, and I think they should. Who cares what I think? But I think they should be wary of that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps let me flip it a different way, and and we can maybe wrap up here. But two of the best properties in my mind, in terms of nerd culture, are The Dark Knight Returns and Flashpoint. These are both DC properties, but it's really hard to create The Dark Knight Returns without a ton of Batman 
mythology in place. And DC overall, it's really difficult to create Flashpoint without the whole DC Justice League mythology in place. But for me, those are two of the high points of the experience of that universe. And mm-hmm. I suppose, uh, moderate that I am, the, the ba- finding the balance between those two, I think, is incredibly difficult. But if you can find it, there's that's that's gold. We can also we can we can apply this to to other things as well. Like that uh, like Tom Holland's introduction into the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, you could say that it retcons his or, origin story. Sure. Like there is absolutely no discussion of how or why Tom Holland has superpowers. Like that that they they don't do his origin, and we have two other major properties that did. They assume you know, and 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 you just assume. But like stepping into uh, his presence in Civil War and also the movie that that came the first his first movie uh, Homecoming, there's there's an assumption of previous information that does not like you. It, it's safe to assume that like if you're watching a movie called Spider Man that you know that he has Spider Man powers. Like that's. <laughs> You know some things about Spider-Man, the character. Well, and it's sure. because they've yeah, been yeah. around for so long, too. Like, my grandmother knows that Thomas and Martha Wayne got but, murdered. You know what I mean? Like, right. But right. that's we, the point, yeah? it's a, There's assumed knowledge. Right. But it's wide but enough that you can pick it up pretty quickly. Like, oh, this kid got bit by a spider or has spider powers. This guy is right. a deeply, deeply psychologically disturbed man who dresses right. up like th- a bat. Like... Yeah, and and if they started in in the second movie uh, with Tom Holland's because because the the first one I feel like does a really good job of of showing us who Spider Man is who, like who this character is and and the world that he lives in that's sort of like adjacent to but separate from the world of the Avengers. It's the yeah, it's the same New York, but and and like you get into the second movie. Yeah, and and you get into the second movie, and like like there's there's some previous information that that needs to be fleshed out. Like you have to have some previous knowledge to get into this. You have to know some of these characters and why they're doing what they're doing, because in order to understand what's happening in the movie. Um, and 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 with this with this material, like I'm here for it. Like I I liked it. I it was done well. And also if if they're focus is going to be on material that doesn't draw in new audience members it's it's going to be bad the the material might be good but i think they will the bad thing is they will limit their audience yes i suppose yes. if i was overseeing the properties i wouldn't care so because it's step four step two step three kind of people like i'm here for it like yeah uh, for lack of a better like p90x isn't for everybody like you should probably run a mile first you know before you start go doing these crazy ass you know how not for everybody it is it took me 15 seconds to figure out what the hell you were talking about (laughs) (laughs) it's the um, what droid is that oh right it's a (laughs) it's one of the unfortunate things for me i suppose on another side like i know nothing about car maintenance and if i wanted to get into car maintenance i need to start with the 15 minute youtube about to how get to change your oil. Yeah. But this is <laughs> right. down the road. You know, this is, uh, you know, repairing something very... Your camshaft you know. sensor. Come on. It's <laughs> it's important and yet high level. You know what else is high level, y'all? What? Giving us stars. If somebody really loved us, they would give us stars. If you really enjoyed this podcast before it ended, you would actually take two seconds to give us five stars. On uh, on your podcast platform of choice, which is actually only iTunes or Spotify. I think they're the ones that do stars. Another thing you do is share this with the person that you love, preferably somebody who is not at step one on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, this would be tough. As we've preferably. As, as we've established, this is uh, this, our podcast itself. Perhaps not an intro. That's, that's safe. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair bet. Yeah. I'm getting loose with our stuff on the on the Twitter. Need to bring it back down a bit. <laughs> Focus on Star Wars and not uh, authoritarian uprisings. But if you want to to connect with us, uh, you can certainly do so on the Twitters. And uh, 
that's what I got. You guys, you guys, before we sign off, you guys got anything else on on uh, on the tales of the Jedi? Uh, I'm thrilled that we recorded an episode longer than the entirety of uh, Tales of the Jedi was. I'm proud of us. We recorded three episodes, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else to add. That brings us to the end. He's T.J. Wilson. Already so many have suffered for what you call order. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they deserve it. <laughs> Price of doing business. <laughs> He's Daniel Mothershed. I doubt I would be and I'm Jeff Cook. We serve the people of this republic. And you want to know, uh, know why, Daniel? This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> because this is the way. <laughs> I, I really need to prep this beforehand. Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim.